Hello, we are In Conversation with the Sanford School, a podcast from the School of Social and Family Dynamics at Arizona State University. Designed to showcase timely and informative insights from leading faculty, researchers, and other experts, which impact the ever-changing world we live in. Here at the Sanford School, we recognize that the lands where we are hosting this conversation at Arizona State University belong to the Maricopa and Pima peoples, and we are privileged to be here to welcome you to today's conversation. In today's podcast, we're excited to be in conversation with our special guests to celebrate National Hispanic Heritage Month. Our guests today include Lydia Guzman, Director of Advocacy and Civic Engagement at Chicanos por la Causa, Michael Nowakowski, Senior Vice President of Radio Campesina and Phoenix City Council Member, Amelia Benuelos, Benuelos Law Firm and ASU graduate, Sal Flores, owner of Flores Wealth Management and ASU graduate, and Rudy Bustamante, Communications Relations Officer from Homeland Security Investigations. Our host of today's podcast is Bethany Van Vliet, Senior Lecturer here in the School of Social and Family Dynamics. Bethany, I'll turn things over to you. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here with these wonderful guests. At National Hispanic Heritage Month actually started out as National Hispanic Heritage Week in 1968, but it became a full month in 1988, allowing the country more time to acknowledge and celebrate the important contributions of Hispanics and Latinos. Um, some people might wonder why Hispanic Heritage Month actually crosses two months. This is because the window between September 15th to October 15th encompasses a number of meaningful dates, including National Independence Days for Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, and Chile, and Dia de la Raza. Uh, but that's enough for me. So let's turn uh, the time over to our guests. I would love it if you could introduce yourself uh, so we can get to know you. Can we start with you, Rudy? Hi, I'm Rudy Bustamante. I'm the com Community Relations Officer with the ICE, with HSI, Homeland Security Investigations, covering all the state of Arizona. And I'm a former Phoenix police detective, and I'm really looking forward to this podcast, and thank you for inviting me. And Sal, can we meet you? Sure. I'm Sal Flores, president of Flores Wealth Management. It's a consulting firm. Um, I'm a third-generation Arizona, and I've got four children, one that is a college professor just like you, Bethany. She teaches developmental psychology. And that's it. Thank you. Uh, Mike, Michael. And my name is Michael Nowakowski. I'm a city councilman for District 7 in the city of Phoenix and also run Radio Campesina here in Phoenix. So I, it's great to run the radio station founded by Cesar Chavez. I have six children, five boys and one girl, and married to a wonderful wife, Delia. Thank you. Lydia. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Lydia Guzman, and I'm the Director of Civic Engagement and Advocacy for Chicanos por la Causa. And I'm so pleased to be a part of this conversation. Um, I'm also uh, the, the 
National Immigration Chair for LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens, and also a woman commissioner for the far western states for the League of United Latin American Citizens. So, you know, and I wanted to share that since we're speaking of Hispanic heritage. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Amelia? Yeah, okay. Uh, my name is Emilia Bagnelos. I am an immigration attorney. I graduated from ASU Law School in 1993. Um, so I've been in the Valley almost all my life. My parents originally are from Zacatecas, Mexico. They brought me here when I was only three or four years old. Um, so even though I was not born in the United States, um, I consider myself here in Arizona a native because I've been here all my life. So I have a different perspective of uh, being born abroad, but then being raised in Arizona. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you all today. So our first question to get us started is, what does Hispanic Heritage Month mean to you? Uh, and let's start off with Michael. Well, you know what? It brings back great memories of my abuelita going, you know, in the summertime, my mom would used to take us to Mexico and we would stay there for two to three months during our summer vacation. So, you know, we'd wake up early in the morning, go to the well, get the water ready for everybody. We would um, go and feed the chickens and the pigs and, and go and they would teach us how to milk the cows and all that. So it brings back all those wonderful memories. But at the same time here in the United States, here in Phoenix, when the when you have the celebration of the Greco ceremony, it brings back those memories. It, it brings you back to Mexico. It brings you back to my childhood. You know, you go and you smell the good food and see the homemade tortillas. You, you see the music and the ballets and the mariachis playing. And then you hear the consulate going up there and doing that, that grito ceremony, which uh, Father Miguel Hidalgo shouted the shout of independence. And, and you know, they, and then you, you, may, you feel proud because you first you hear the, the national anthem from the United States. And then you hear the national anthem from Mexico. And then he goes into the whole celebration. So it makes you feel proud of being a part of both cultures and being Mexican and American at the same time. So those are great memories that from Encanto Park to the, the Civic Plaza to now Central Phoenix, we have to close three to four blocks just to fit all the people. Thank you so much. Uh, Lydia, do you, do you have thoughts to share? Yes, and, and I actually would like to share also that, um, you know, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles is really a melting pot of so many different cultures, and, you know, it's just so diverse. But one of the things that we do have in Los Angeles is a strong Hispanic heritage. And what I mean by that is not just the, the, the history of Mexican and Mexican-Americans there, but um, there's also the influx, and we were, we're seeing that in the southwestern states a lot, and then it's moving forward, where we have the other Central American influence, we have the, the, the South American, the, the, the Latino influence, and the Hispanic influence is just so rich. And, you know, even though we, we talk about Hispanic Heritage Month, I think Hispanic Heritage Month has given us an opportunity to share the richness of our culture, what we bring to communities as we are growing into other areas where we're seeing a, a, a rise um, in the immigrant community in those, in those areas. And so I think this is an opportunity for um, other places across the country as we receive 
um, immigrants to embrace that diversity, to learn from it, to be enriched by it. And I would love to see this, what's happening here. I mean, I think Hispanic Heritage Month is a great reminder to continue to educate the entire communities um, across the country about the richness of our culture. But I think this is something that we should do year round. And so I'm very proud of the richness of these cultures, the food, the traditions, the, the, the dichos. The dichos are a lot of the sayings because, you know, we have sayings where we came from, where we grew up from. Even our little, um, a little, a little dichos about discipline, you know, when we talk about the chancla, you know, the shoes. And that's just part of the heritage. And I think it's, it's cute, but it's showing how, you know, how, how we're able to share our upbringings but most importantly, our backgrounds and the fact that we can share it and and mesh it with our new with with our our new communities that we're moving into. That's what it means to me. Thank you so much, uh, Sal. Do you have any thoughts to add? Last night we were at dinner with a family, an Anglo family, and we were talking about uh, uh, culture. We were talking about things that we do. And this time of year reminds me of uh, it's getting ready to make some tamales, you know, and that's a, that's a great way of bringing family together. You know, my cousin would always go to Hatch, New Mexico, to get the, the Hatch chili to have it ready for, you know, green corn tamales and so on. But the beauty of our culture has to do with um, food, with music, uh, with 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 beauty, uh, a sunset flowers and so on. And that's what that reminds me of. My, my dad is from Guadalajara, so he's very, very proud of, of his heritage and his homeland. And, uh, you know, the mariachis originated there, and of course, tequila, which is very, very important. And then Guanajuato is where my mom's family is from. So the richness of what they bring to uh, our family, and it's, a, and it's a big family. We're third generation here, but, you know, I have 57, 58 first cousins. And throughout the valley and so it's a time to gather it's a time to share and get ready to make some tamales and munuelos and um, and spend time together thank you rudy do you have any additional thoughts yeah. i'm getting hungry though i know <laughs> I, I want some menudo uh, <clears throat> it just hispanic is hysteric. hispanic heritage month is very special i mean it's just I mean, we're Hispanic, but uh, when, when you start focusing on that for the month and with the federal government, I'm one of the people that helps uh, introduce information to all the employees in Arizona about Hispanic Heritage Month. And so it's fun to do that. And I do that for each area uh, in, in, in our communities. But <clears throat> it just makes me feel pride. Um, and then family history has a lot to do with it. And, you know, Sal said about his family and Lydia. Uh, my family comes from uh, Chihuahua and, and uh, uh, my mother was born in Sonora, Mexico, Nogales, Sonora. And I was born in Fabens, right next to El Paso, right next to the border. The big joke was that they floated me across. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't think it is. Anyway, but it's nice to go back and visit um, uh, El Paso and Fabens, a little town where I was raised and so forth. 
not raised, but where I was born and to see where my mom used to work at a little restaurant and so forth. But um, one of the things that sometimes we live our lives and do our work. And for me, I'm reminded quite a bit because I'm dealing with a lot of the uh, different uh, organizations and so forth, the, the Muslim community, Jewish community, the Hispanic community, African-American community. I mean, we deal with all of them as well as Lydia, I know, and Michael as well. And um, so we, and, and I also deal with the, the Mexican consulate, the Salvadorian consulate, the Guatemalan consulate. We have lunch together and so forth. And, and so then I'm reminded a little bit, especially when I'm speaking Spanish uh, with the consulate and so forth. I mean, they speak it perfectly. I'm not perfect with it, but still we, we do okay. But uh, so that's real special. But one of the things that, that I remember as a young boy on a ranch in Queen Creek area was a deputy, a friend of my older brother's, came by and I remember seeing him with his uniform and so forth, talking to us and meeting with, you know, visiting with us and so forth. And many years later, I was working uh, the, near the airport, little, uh, little barrio in there. And I remember seeing these families and talking to the kids, little Hispanic kids and so forth. And the parents said, next time come by, you can have some menudo with us. And not long after that, they contacted us and stopped on by. My partner on the, on the, in my patrol car was Anglo. And he says, where are we going? We got, an, we got an invite. So we went. He thought we were going to go on a call, you know, and. We went in and they had menudo on the table for us. And we sat down in this tiny little kitchen. And I remember like three or four little Hispanic kids sitting around us, just looking at us. And I thought it brought back memories of what I did. So it's really cool to be invited to uh, these houses. And then the other thing was uh, going on uh, police calls of loud music in a neighborhood, in a barrio, Hispanic barrio. And we would go there and we would find people in the backyard with a little bonfire and drinking their beers and loud Mexican music. And my partner said, I don't get it. Why do we keep getting these kind of calls? Why do these people do that? And I looked at him and I said, my family does that. It's just something that we like to do. We like to sit in the backyard with a little fire and drink their beer or whatever. And, and uh, they were really surprised about that. I said, oh, it's just something that's normal. So anyway, it brings back for me family history as well. And the sharing of our culture is very special. And uh, that's all I'll say for now. Um, I'm glad that I was able to listen to every stories because I connected and I'm familiar with some of the stories of Michael and Rudy and some of the panelists. And it was interesting to hear, you know, their perspective and, and share some of the memories. But it also brought me uh, back to the time when I was in, in school and remembering um, that either either I was like the, in the Selena movie, I either was not, you know, I didn't speak Spanish enough for the Mexicans and I didn't speak English enough for my, for my friends who were white, and, but I wasn't Chola enough for the Chicanos to fit in, so I wasn't Chola enough. So I, and then this was only in primary, you know, when you're in elementary school. And then later on when I was in, in high school, I remember celebrating uh, Independence Day, and and but that was more like Viva Mexico, and it was part of the Fiestas Patrias, and then I started hearing, you know, the Hispanic heritage much, or El Mes de la Hispanidad, and so I'm like, wow, you know, that's something that, that one of the problems is that, to where do you belong? And, and I think that the most important thing 
or the Hispanic Heritage Month um, is that it makes people feel like they belong to a group. And, and a lot of times when you're growing up, um, you're not really sure if you belong with, with this group or with that group or, you know, with the Mexicans for Fiestas Patrias or do you celebrate, you know, Cinco de Mayo or do you celebrate, you know, the Central American community, the Colombian community. And, and we're so diverse, the Hispanic or, you know, the Latino community or Latino X community, or, you know, you know, so many names. But the, at, at the end of the day, it's that, it's, it's that group, that month that we belong to this group. We have some bad history that our children and our grandchildren need to know about what happened here in Arizona and the contributions that so many, um, you know, Latino, there's so many Hispanic, there's so many Mexican-Americans um, have that they suffered, that they went through. And at the same time that at this point, we all belong in this one month, whether it be whether it be that you're, you know, Cuban-American, Mexican-American, Puerto Rican-American, uh, whatever it is, because we all have a little bit of, of everything, you know, especially with, with maybe 40 years ago, 30 years ago, um, there was, I thought that we all were Mexican-American, you know, there was no thing like even watching Sesame Street, you know, watching Sesame Street, and they spoke Spanish, well, I assumed that they were Mexican, some of my friends were Colombian, or they were from Costa Rica, and I didn't know that they were, like, from Colombia, I thought they were just like me, you know, that we were just, you know, brown, and we were just Mexican-Americans, or that we were just growing up in, in Arizona, and we'd go to the fields, too, and we'd see that, so it's, it's to me, what has, I have evolved, or, you know, into, we're Hispanic, this is our month, and there's so much things that we need to show our, if we don't, if we forget our history, then we're doomed, and there was, there's a lot of history, particularly here in Arizona, in, in, in this part, because this used to be at one time Mexico. So you have a lot of things that we need to look at and to remember our history and honor our heroes, honor uh, you know the people that stood up and that spoke on behalf of the Hispanic community, because that's why you have those rights nowadays. And we cannot allow those to be forgotten and to celebrate our culture, to celebrate our differences, to celebrate our food, you know, our music. There's so much to celebrate. And so I'm glad it's a whole month long. But growing up, that wasn't that that wasn't clearly defined. And so that's why I think I appreciate that we have this one month that we belong to. This is our celebration. And and it's up to us to make it a celebration and to to say, you know what, it has been here forever. <laughs> this this culture has been here forever. There's so many reasons to celebrate. And so that's why I'm very appreciative of having a whole month to celebrate with my grandchildren, with my children, with my siblings, that you know what, we, we belong to America. We are America. And this is the Hispanic Heritage Month. And this is the time that we need to celebrate who we are, and that we are one big group, regardless of where you came from. Thank you. Um, kind of related to that, what special point of view has your Hispanic heritage given you? So this is a question to all of you. Um, does anyone want to start us off? Perhaps Lydia, would you want to share your, your point of view? Sure. Um, so, so the question is, what point of view has... Has your Hispanic heritage given you? The point of view, I think, is um, that... Uh, you know, like the example that Rudy was sharing, where um, it was important for authorities to understand the culture. I think that's the, one of the things that um, our, our 
Hispanic heritage, I think, is an opportunity to teach not only agencies like law enforcement agencies, but our community about our culture. Because what sometimes may be odd, weird, or, you know, um, to, to somebody is actually um, part of the culture. That's part of what we do. I mean, I know that in my family, you know, we had those parties where we had loud music and bonfires. But, you know, um, there's also, you know, situations where, you know, people don't understand, you know, that's in our culture to to do, you know, why why is everybody having these really big parties? It's a baptism, you know, or and, and it's just part of the culture because, you know, we do that. Another thing is that um, I think Hispanic Heritage Month has given me also the opportunity to um, share a lot of the the uh, the struggles, especially when I when I speak about the struggles, I mean, you know, there's the um, the folks that have we discussed the the folks that have uh, migrated here, and um, everybody comes with a story, and each story is a is a book. Each story is a book, but the richness of that story, they all have the same thing as every other culture. And I think Hispanic Heritage Month gives us the opportunity to say that the migrants from Latin American, from, from the Hispanic um, you know, uh, communities, the Hispanic countries, are no different than the migrants from the different generations before, whether it's the Italians, the Polish, the, all of the other ones, they come to this country seeking a better opportunity. And let me tell you something, the fact that those cultures are able to still hold on and share their culture with us, we cannot erase our culture and do the same and share our culture with them. I love the richness of the Italian culture. I love the richness, the richness of all of the other, the, the other, um, groups that have migrated here. And I, I cherish the fact that with Hispanic Heritage Month, it has given us the opportunity for our young kids who are born here, who have probably no ties to the countries where their parents came from, to continue to hold down and be proud of the culture, the traditions, and everything else, including the language that their parents and grandparents came. And I think that's the opportunity that we have to continue to embrace and, and move forward, especially now during Hispanic Heritage Month. I think those are really interesting um, themes that you outlined that we don't always think about, I think, for Hispanic Heritage Month. Sometimes we focus on the food or the dancing, and you bring up incorporating the struggles, um, teaching the culture to the community, the, what we might be the, the more invisible culture, the, uh, the parties in the backyard, right? Um, and then also emphasizing the similarities and differences that you're similar to all these other migrant communities um, and these stories and experiences, but also unique. So I, those are great points. Thank you, uh, Michael. You know, the point of the point of view for me is um, being a servant leader. I mean, you know, it's through our faith, you know, very Catholic, very Our Lady of Guadalupe servant leaders. Right. And then our family, when we have gatherings, I mean, it's large gatherings. It's from birthday parties, baptisms, and all that. And then people really don't understand. 
why is there 100 people for a birthday party? Why is there, because it's not just your immediate family, it's your uncles, your aunts, your cousins, and then your compadres, which baptized your, your children. And I have six children, so there's six compadres and compadres that come. You know, so it's a, it's a whole celebration of life. And it's, it's a part of the culture. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of your DNA, you know, and it's, um, and it's the community at large. You know, I remember a quick stories. When I was eight years old, my mom told us to clean out our closet, my, my brother Martin and I. And we were up there early Saturday morning cleaning out our closets. And then she, we put all of the stuff that we didn't want anymore, like our shoes, toys, clothes, and all that. We threw it into our station wagon. Back then, there was no... Um, um, suburbans and stuff. They were station wagons. So we threw in our station wagons and we went out to a church out in El Mirage, Santa Teresita. And there's this older man named Cesar Chavez. And we got down and he started saying, well, I want you to put all the kids stuff here, all the adult stuff over there. And he goes, uh, what's your name? I go, Mar Michael. And that's your brother? I go, yeah, he's Martin. Well, you're going to have these buses of kids coming in and I want you to separate, make sure that each kid gets some shoes, clothes, a book, and a toy. Can you guys do that? I go, yeah, absolutely. So they gave us um, paper sacks, and kids were coming off the buses, and we made sure that each kid got it. And then my mom was in the kitchen cooking, and then we all went in, said a prayer, and ate. And then afterwards, all the kids were playing and this and that. And then Caesar came to us and said, did you guys have fun? We go, yeah, this is a lot of fun. He goes, I want you to go tell your neighbors what you've seen and go with a wheelbarrow and our, our wagon and ask them to donate. So then I became a servant leader. I became a part of a movement as an eighth, as an eight-year-old, not knowing where I was a part of the farm workers movement, helping farm workers, you know. And, and now I work for a great organization called the Cesar Chavez Foundation, keeping that legacy alive. So I think it's a part of who we are. We're just natural servant leaders trying to help people. And sometimes helping gets us in trouble too, right? So, you know, that's where... Um, it's all about, I think. So it's those great examples and those great leaders like Cesar Chavez, great organizations like Chicanos por la Causa, Valle del Sol, Friendly House, and all those organizations that are out there that you need to get involved. Your kids have to see what, what we experience as young people, you know? They have to experience it too. So that's one of the things I try to do with my children is take them out and let them have that experience instead of sitting on the couch and playing with their xbox right thank you that's a that's a good reminder too is to get especially right now kids are spending lots of time on, on their screens um rudy sal do you have anything that you'd like to add about your point of view sure um uh, i think about first of all um Growing up in the 60s in the Valley, in Tempe especially, and going to school, I think about how far we've come. Uh, it was taboo to speak Spanish in the, in the playgrounds and stuff. And today now it's well received because they like for you to, um, you know, to express yourself or they're encouraging another language to learn. So we've come a long way. Um, I believe that because we can speak two languages, and I think most of us can, is it gives us an edge uh, in the community because we see things through a different lens. We can see it through two lenses. One is a is a, a his. And I don't I don't know that I like using Hispanic term. Right? What does George uh, Lopez say? I don't identify with anything that has pan the word panic in it. But <laughs> Latin American or Mexican American, 
But in any case, I, um, we see things through different lenses. We can see it through a, a Mexican-American community, or we can see that through uh, um, being indoctrinated into a, a greater community with uh, Anglos that are, you know, from different descents and so on. And so I also find, too, that uh, when I'm out and about uh, going to restaurants and so on, and you have, you have maybe restaurant workers or other service places and there's people that are of Mexican um, descent, if you speak with them in Spanish, that typically you're going to get some pretty good service. So, uh, and I like using our language. I think it's a beautiful language. It's a ex very expressive language and it's a, it's a language and a, and, a, and a beauty that we should be very, very proud of. Thank you so much. Amelia, uh, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on this. Okay. Um, one of my biggest concerns that I have is that um, a lot of times people are afraid, embarrassed, for example, to speak Spanish, you know, or to, you know, I remember growing up that they forced us, my mom would say, you have to speak English, you have to learn how to speak English. But it, there became a time when I couldn't even speak um, Spanish or English, you know, because I was learning English and then my Spanish was bad and my English was bad. So it's very important, and I think parents, I understand immigrant parents, want their kids to learn the language. They don't, they don't want to be discriminated against. They don't want their child to be speak with an accent because they're afraid that, that would, they would face discrimination in the future. And so it, I, to me, it's so important that parents obviously push uh, English and push that they learn about you know, American uh, society and history. But also, I think that as a parent, we have the obligation to speak about our culture, to speak about our traditions, and not necessarily be embarrassed about them, but sometimes we try to, oh, Thanksgiving, we're gonna have this and this and that. And it's like, well, you know, and we also have tamales for Thanksgiving. And it's like tamales, you know, or, you know, I think one of the panelists was talking about you know, having tortillas instead of sandwiches for when they went to, to have their lunch at the lunchbox. And, and people would say, why are you eating tortillas? You're supposed to have, uh, you're supposed to have sandwiches. And, and I mean, that's just so, so petty, but at the same time, it's so important that I think as parents, you need, my concern is that we're gonna lose some of the traditions, we're going to lose some of the, you know, some of the, our, the way that we do things. Um, and businesses, you know, we need to uh, celebrate, participate in any way you can, and especially tell, tell, talking about the stories that people went through, um, especially, you know, there's some stories and, you know, when, when people were picked up um, if for, but just for speaking Spanish or for not being allowed to sit on the counter because you spoke Spanish and, and things like that. I think that uh, as businesses, as people, we need to, business people, we need to promote. This is our month. We have a whole month to celebrate. Let's, let's make sure that it's not forgotten because if we, if we don't celebrate and if we don't make it our month, then my fear has always been that it's going to disappear. Just like it came, it's going to disappear. And we really need to make sure people are inclusive. People don't know about it, especially if you don't talk about it. So if your children don't know about how to celebrate or what the importance is, then they're going to forget about it, and and they're not they're not going to be they don't they're not going to be part of this group that they belong to. I just think it's it's very important for all of us Hispanics to celebrate, take the time to celebrate. And if you don't know what it means or you don't know how to tell your kids about it because it really wasn't celebrating your house, learn. Go to the go to the internet, read about it, read how it started, read the proclamations, read the declarations. 
you need to look at the history and there's a lot now with the internet you can have access to whatever so it's very important that our children know the history and that, that that's very easy just look it up and see what happened here in Arizona you know 60 years ago 70 years ago and see who what were the who was working the mines who was working the fields who was Cesar Chavez who was you know who was marching what were they protesting uh, you know that it's very important that 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 history is passed along it's not just about you know the songs or the cumbias or who's you know the corridos there's so much to learn there's so much you know that 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 makes you proud and that's what we need to really focus on um you know sal uh you know when i when i hear uh people talk about how much they love hearing the you know people speak spanish I love to speak Spanish. I'm very proud to speak Spanish, but I think that Spanish is a very romantic language. You know, there's there's lots of passion and romance. I mean, and passion, let me tell you, you know, you have never heard a more passionate language. Have you ever heard Ricky Ricardo speak so passionately? You know, that's Spanish too, you know, but we, we're very passionate when we speak. We emphasize, we, you know, and that's just one part of our, our our richness, the language. And I would argue that um, there's also a lot of passion even when it's not in Spanish, at least in my household growing up, there's lots of passion. <laughs> uh, Rudy, do you have a, a few thoughts to share? Sure. What special point of view has Hispanic Heritage Month given me? Well, being that growing up with 11 kids, and uh, being very poor and living on the farm, um, I, I have memories of people that, are, that, were, that had compassion for us. Uh, people, I, I, I want, what, what, it means compassion, having compassion, it means uh, understanding. Um, I don't know if people understood us completely as kids and so forth. Uh, I remember going to school, very first year of school, uh, and I thought the oddest thing was that we were eating lunch without tortillas. <laughs> I was used to eating everything with tortillas. The only time you use a utensil was mostly, for us, was a spoon for like soups and so forth, but it was mostly eating with tortillas. And to this day, if I'm having scrambled eggs or eggs or whatever, I use tortillas. It's just uh, something that I enjoy. Uh, and I, I was hoping that people would understand that, that that is my culture and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, and that, that people would look at us. Uh, it helps me in looking at people with more of an open heart and also with curiosity. Because sometimes when I meet in my line of work, I meet people from all over the world. I talk to people from all over the world because my cell phone is on the uh, website and you can ask any of the people I deal with that I get calls from, uh, I got calls, I got a call from uh, uh, Palestine and they were inviting me that if you come over here, you can stay at our house and this and that. And, and uh, people invite me over to have their, the, the food that they eat in their in their uh, within their culture, so that's really cool to see that curiosity. We need to keep our curiosity going, when, and to to be able to want to learn more about other uh, other uh, cultures and so forth. And then I want um, this means a lot to me in that I want people to understand my heritage. 
like I said, and I want to understand other people's heritages. Um, but that's, I, I'm really, um, uh, I'm really happy to be and, and proud to be Hispanic and I'm not shy of it and I'm not afraid of it. And I try to share the culture with my uh, son and daughter and I absolutely try to share it with my grandkids. By when, you know, when I walk them around the block, we're talking Spanish, we're counting in Spanish and so forth. And Sal has seen my, me walking around with my little grandson. And uh, when I tell him, let's count to five in Spanish. And then he starts off counting to five in Spanish and he's two years old, but he hopefully he'll remember some of this. I know my older grandkids remember some of the things that we talk about. And the big thing that, one of the things I like was that movie Coco where they're talking about Dia de los Muertos. And my wife asked me, well, you guys didn't celebrate that, did you? I said, no, we didn't see it as Dia de los Muertos, but we still had the little altar in, my mom had an altar in the living room with candles and pictures of people that passed away and so forth. And when I saw that movie, I said, wait a minute, we did that too, but we just didn't call it Dia de los Muertos. But we all share the different cultures and different uh, celebrations that we have. Thank you. You mentioned sharing uh, the culture with your, your children and your grandchildren. And I just saw a statistic that said that the further out you get in terms of generations, the less likely people are to identify as Hispanic. And I saw that by fourth generation, it was a pretty small number. Um, this is for all of you. Do you have any suggestions or thoughts on passing that culture, that heritage on to children? Uh, Sal and then Lydia? Funny you mentioned that this weekend. Um, so uh, I married an Anglo. My kids are half. And uh, my daughter, Elena, uh, married an Anglo. And so my grandkids are quarter. And they don't appear to, to be Hispanic, Latin American. They have um, um, blue eyes and, and fair skin. But we're sitting by the pool this weekend. And I said, well, okay, Mihal, why don't you tell me, this is my granddaughter, she's nine years old, why don't you tell me what ethnicity you are? Because she's learning that in, in school. She says, well, Tata, I'm uh, Irish, I'm part Irish, and I'm also part English, and I'm part Welsh, and I'm part Span uh, French, and then I'm, I'm part Mexican. I says, well, what is that? So you're, let's say you're a quarter Mexican, and she says, yeah. I says, well, which is the best part of you? And she said, Tata being Mexican. <laughs> and of course it is. I said, Sabes por qué? Porque tienes pasión en tu corazón y la sangre. And I said, Yeah, that one quarter that you have is more powerful than the rest. Now, maybe I shouldn't be saying that, but I will tell you that it's something that I'm very, very proud of. It's something that they it's important that they get from their grandpa that that's that's been passed down through generation through my father through my grandparents that this is something that we carry with us and uh, and then it and it goes into the future and it's and it's funny you know rudy and i have shared some ideas and we talked about our families uh rudy's generation uh would have been my parents generation my mom's where they lived in phoenix where they had dirt floors and so on and uh, it took three generations. And my grandmother was a migrant worker when they came over back in the teens during the revolution. And now her 
great, great granddaughter, my daughter, is a doctor. It took three to four generations. It's big. It's in us. And we have to share it. It's innate. We have to share it. And we have to share our heritage. And, and my, you know, my, my granddaughter is very, very proud that that's the most dominant blood that she has, even though she's a quarter. <laughs> Thank you, Lydia. Yes, you know, the, um, <clears throat> the way that we can continue to hold on to our culture is by teaching them, teaching them those things that enriched us, um, you know, our children and our grandchildren. Um, I know that <laughs> uh, my, my grandmother, you know, was, was a citizen and she actually was, was born and raised in, in the same community where I was born and raised. But my mother migrated here from, from Zacatecas as a, as a um, young adolescent. And she, though, though my father was, um, you know, he, he spoke English and he was bilingual. Um, he grew up in an era where it was punished to teach or to speak Spanish in school. And so a lot of our Spanish came from my mother. And I'll tell you what, the, the, the fact that we learned Spanish and my mom always said to us, tienen que aprender español porque son mexicanos, which means you need to speak Spanish because you're Mexican, okay? My mom didn't know how to differentiate between Mexican-American, Chicano, or whatever. You are Mexican, all right? And so... But on top of the language, there's also those, cus those customary things that we would do that now I see myself doing this to my grandson. My grandson fell and scraped his knee and I'm, and, 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 you know, I, I bring him over and I'm like, sana, sana, colita de rana. Okay. And basically it's just like an, an old beach or an old saying where you say, you know, they're there, everything's going to be okay. But this is the way that we, we say these things. And I'm hoping that both my daughter and my grandson, and it goes and it continues to go on because these are the things that we need to teach them how to roll. You know, for Rudy, Rudy I think, you know, you, you'll know that my mom has proudly taught us how to properly roll the tortilla, you know, before. And those are little things that you need to know. I mean, so those are just some of the things that what we need, what I'm hoping that happens is that all of us do our part in continuing to not only teach our children and grandchildren to continue to be proud of who we are, the languages that we speak, the foods that we eat, the customs that we grew up with, but at the same time, teach the community that this is part of our culture. And this is what this, this opportunity is. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Uh, yes, Michael. You know, one of the things that my wife and I did when when our first child was born is look for a bilingual school. So they actually go to Herrera, which is right there by Chicanos Puerto Casa and 12th Street and um, Buckeye. But what's so amazing about it is that it's not just learning the language, but then they have whole arts and crafts and everything surrounded about culture and not just me Mexican culture, but South America and all the different Latino cultures that are out there. And then you see little, blue-eyed, huero-speaking Spanish. And it's just incredible how families are coming together by, by language and by food and by art and culture. You know, um, just on Thursday, my mother-in-law passed away. And Senora Ortega, 
and she had eight children. And just to hear her story, I mean, it was just amazing, just people coming and how many people she touched. And um, one of my brother-in-law says that my mother was a life coach for many people and for many young ladies. Um, she was a farm worker. My father-in-law drove trucks and, and did the jobs that nobody else wanted to do. And all eight of their siblings, uh, all eight of their children went to um, graduate from ASU. They're attorneys and they're counselors and they're just helping the community. So, you know, they had that, what they call that cease up with attitude that nothing's impossible. Just with love and community and faith that things can happen. And it was funny that um, they, they showed us a, a psychopedia and they were saying that, um, they remember their mother saying, no, we're not going to buy those books. A salesperson came knocking on their doors and their father goes, What's the books for? It has all the answers that kids need to go to school with. All the problems that students have, the answer's here. And he goes, how much is it? It's about $700. And back 30 years ago, that was a lot of money. And he goes, no, uh, I can't afford it. Oh, we can do payment plans. And Mrs. Ortega goes, no, you're not. No, 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 no. No vas a comprarlos. You're not going to buy them. We don't have money, enough money to even eat sometimes. And now you want to buy these books? No, no, no. And he goes, yes, because I want my kids to graduate from that big university out there, ASU. And guess what? He bought them, and the kids used them, and now they're graduates. Then they're, they're changing the world in their own way. And I think those are the kind of stories um, that young people need to hear, the suffering, the sacrifices, and those dichos, like Lydia was saying, you know, um, it's just incredible all the different details she would have and people start telling us the details and all that and the lives that she impacted. A person that really had nothing was able to change the world by eight children and they continue to change the world, right? So I think that's what's really important. Thank you so much. Um, any other thoughts? Okay. Um, it's important to continually educate our grandkids and kids on our Hispanic culture or whatever culture you, you, you belong to. Um, they, the stories that we pass on, like Lydia, you're saying the, the little saying that we say when you, somebody injures themselves. And I know Bethany and Christopher, my son and daughter, has heard, heard them before. And, and they also have heard, you know, when I put them, when I was putting them to, down to take a nap, you, you know, there's that, and there's just all sorts of things. Or when you are seeing somebody's baby that is so cute, and then you say, oh, I got I to gotta touch, touch her face or their arm because I'll give them the ojo. I'm going to give them the eye. I'll get them sick if they don't, you know, I can't just look at a child and say, oh, how beautiful, and, and just go, oh, how beautiful, but better touch the baby. Sometimes the parent will tell you, okay, touch my baby because otherwise you're gonna, they're going to get ill. <laughs> you know, so little things like that that we take for granted. The chanclas, like you were talking about, Lydia, uh, that's also very, uh, a lot of it's captured in that movie Coco. And some of those things that they talk about, it just, it's hysterical because it brings back uh, memories of things like that. So it's important that we continually educate not only our kids but everyone else. And my kid, my grandkids call me Tata, and and I like like Sal, blue eyes and 
blue eyes, uh, blonde hair and so forth, and very, very uh, uh, light complexion. And when I pick him up at, at school for the first time, the teacher looks at me and then looks at my granddaughter or grandson and says, um, do you know this man? That's my tata. That means grandfather. <laughs> so but anyway, so uh, it's important to continually educate our kids, grandkids, and, and uh, our, our uh, friends as well. Thank you. Okay, as we come to the end of our time together, I kind of have a, a two-part question, or, or you choose which one you want to answer, because I'm, I'm interested in both of them. Um, could you let us know either advice you would give to young Hispanic Latino individuals um, at this time, or um, suggestions for how we can authentically celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month? I think those are I would love to hear both of those things, but if you have input on either one, Lydia, we'll start with you. Yes, you know, <clears throat> for young folks that, are, that might be watching, I, I wanna say, don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of your language. Don't be ashamed of where you came from or where your parents came from. Be proud, be proud because what you bring and what your family has brought to this country is what makes us richer, is what makes us more powerful and a better community. So be proud of that and embrace it and teach others so that they can embrace it because the, the enemy of hate is education. And this is where we need to educate the community. So I think what we need to do is just Show everybody about our culture. Let's educate them. But more than anything, be proud. Thank you so much, Sal. I'd, I'd like to echo what Lydia, Lydia just said. But I, I would like to put the emphasis also on us adults, is that it's important that we're available, that we mentor, that we share our gifts with young people. Remind them of where they came from but that they also have a place to come to in the event that they have any questions. I like mentoring young people and, 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 uh, and uh, if they have any questions, just kind of uh, not really uh, give them the answers, but ask them questions because I think the answers uh, come from within. Uh, just like Lydia said also, is just embrace your language. I mean, it is a plus uh, to live in the Southwest here and to have the ability to um, to share yourself in two different languages, and you know, it's sometimes it's funny. Is that <clears throat> I think isn't and Lydia said this earlier too. I keep coming back to Lydia. Is that we have a romantic language. We have one of those. Uh, it's you know like Latin, French, Italian, and so on. But we're more expressive and dynamic in our Spanish language than we are in our English language. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I love speaking English, but sometimes. I think, oh, you know what? That could have better been said in Spanish, you know, because there's that passion in there. But I, again, the mentoring, and I would say just, just be available to young people. Just be available and share your, your, your pride, your, your heritage, and, and uh, to help. Thank you. I have a question for you now, Sal. Um, so for young adults who don't speak Spanish at this point. Do you have suggestions or should they start speaking Spanish? Would you suggest learning? I don't know if you learn Spanish at home. 
Did you learn, Bethany, did you learn Spanish? Yeah, I learned enough to test out of it in high school. Okay. And I'm sad to say I haven't kept up with it very much. So here's the thing is that um, um, my kids, being around my family, they understood it. They could maybe verbalize it on occasion. <clears throat> but I was fortunate enough that my kids studied in Chile and Argentina and in Spain uh, in college that I just wanted to give them the opportunity but also i wanted to let them know that it was so important for them to embrace that language just it, it just really important so so I, I i think you know i don't know if this answers your question but i, I with my children um that they studied abroad and they have embraced the language with um with kids here that that, that, that maybe don't uh, embrace their language but also have uh mexican-american family Spend time with your nana, your tata, just like your, just like Rudy. I mean, uh, you have an español con ellos, you know, and 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 uh, it, it and have fun with it. And uh, that's, I guess, that's that's how I would answer your question. Thank you. Um, any other final thoughts on um, advice for for young people or ideas for? Yes, Rudy. I would say, I've, as Lydia said a few seconds ago, don't ever be embarrassed of your heritage or your background, your culture. Um, be proud. Be be proud of it, but don't be prideful. You know, we're not better than other people and so forth or other cultures. We just have everyone has their own uh, special specialness about them. Um, and and uh, anything that you've learned as a child will be will help you out the things that i learned on the ranch or the farm catching chickens and killing them and cleaning them out burning the feathers off and so forth uh you never know when that's going to come in handy i'm not a shy i'm not shy to do that i know how to do that and uh how to uh chopping weeds chopping cotton and so forth as a photographer one of the things i'd like to capture is things on a farm simple things like the pipes going the irrigation pipes and I surprise a lot of, a lot of uh, gentlemen in the field when they're out there, the irrigators, and I drive up and, and I ask them jokingly, uh, how do you start those? And they look at me and they give me a description and I get it and, and in two or three pumps, I start the irrigation pipe. And he goes, how did you know that? I said, I did it as a kid, helping my father and on the ranch and so forth. But I love photographing things that bring back memories that I can share with my grandkids I like going to Yuma, photographing the lettuce pickers, uh, people on, on tractors, people hoeing weeds, things that I used to do as a, as a young man. Uh, I like capturing those moments. But more than that, not just capturing the moment, but talking to the people that are out there working and, and they find it interesting that I have an interest in photographing or talking to them. And I've met a lot of uh, very nice people out there doing that. And then, uh, again, don't be prideful. And then uh, learning from other people's strengths, other people's weaknesses, other people's knowledge, their skills, the mistakes other people make, and also learn from the bigotry that's out there as well, because you will find it. And, and, uh, but it doesn't mean we live our life with hate and, and, uh, and bitterness in our lives. We just learn from it and know that that's not the direction that I want to go. That's not... What I, that's not what makes Rudy, and and um, that 
also the big thing I want these young men and women to know is that there are good people out there and there are some bad people out there. But all these people, one of the rules that I had in law enforcement and even to this day is that everyone that we run into, whether it be good or bad, had parents or has parents and has siblings that love that person and that we should have respect and treat the person with dignity. Uh, that's just something that I followed and uh, it's been something that's key in, in my life because sometimes you do meet bad people and, and, but it doesn't mean that person that we have no right, that we have the right to mistreat them in any way. And I'm very uh, happy that in my line of work, I get to meet all sorts of people. And when we had all these families coming in, uh, being released uh, by immigration uh, two, about a year and a half, year and a half ago, uh, I was uh, glad to be able to help out in finding a church of these churches that were willing to take them in. The Hispanic community took them in and to be able to assist and feed and just uh, uh, associate with them was just very rewarding to me. But um, anyway, that's what I have to share. Thank you. And yes, Michael. You know, I think it's so important as parents to think back when you were a child and what, how did you learn about who you are and your culture and all that. You know, the examples of your abuela, your mom, your dad, and what they did. You know, my parents would take us to Mexico. I haven't taken my children to Mexico for a couple of weeks just to let them hang out with their cousins. You know, but those are kind of things that are so important. And here we go to masses in Spanish so they can hear a, a mass with mariachis and, and the way that our community prays. We go to Ranch Market or Food City to go have um, menudo and go eat after mass on Sundays so they can actually experience it. And they go, wow, this is good. Uh, this is who you are. And, you know, for myself, I know Sal talked about his, his grandchildren, but my father's Polish and he was brought up in Detroit and my mom's from Chihuahua. And, you know, they met and, and we're mixed. I'm mixed. I lived in two different cultures. And what's so amazing is when I went to our Polish side and went to a Polish wedding, very Catholic, Our Lady Czestochowa on one side, Our Lady Guadalupe on the other side, very strong devotions to the to the, to the virgins, right? Um, big families, a lot of food, a lot of drinking, one side tequila, the other side vodka. You know, it's just the music, polkas, bandas, same type of music. So what's so incredible as a council member, I'm able to live in two worlds and see what we have so much in common. And what really separates us is very minimal. It's really the color of our skin and sometimes the language that we speak. And if we look at what brings us together, and that's why as a council member leaving this year or this coming year, one of the things I want to do is create a Latino cultural center, not for Latinos really, but for the whole community so that they can come and experience what it is that Latinos have. And once they start to hear the music, the mariachis, the violins that came from, you know, from Europe, and it, they start saying, wow, well, we have this, we have that. And then you start to bring people together. And then they realize that what we have is that we're all human beings and we love to eat. We love to hear beautiful music and we love our families. And I think that's what's so important. And that's what this whole conversation is really about is how we all have things that are so much in common that it's kind of crazy to have those 
individuals that are creating chaos out there. And then you have to have organizations what Lydia has to basically stop the chaos. And it's really a lack of communication. So start that com conversation. And if you have questions, young people that are out there, ask why. You know, just be like those two-year-olds. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? And it's just that we come from a very rich culture, a grasa cosmica, a cosmic race, a mixture of European, African-American, Indian blood all mixed together. And it's just so rich that sometimes we don't know our own culture. And that's what's so important. Here in the United States, go to Dia de los Muertos celebration. Go to the Fiestas Patrias. Go to these celebrations and learn and learn and ask questions. And if your grandparents have passed away and you don't have any connections that way, well, ask the lady that's making the tortillas back there and she'll tell you her story and you'll get connected that way. But don't ever get tired of asking why, why, why. And always have that si se puede attitude that yes, it can be done. Thank you. One of the strongest things that the Hispanic community has is that we love our family. And that, that is like the basic, you know, tenet of, of anything is mi familia. You know, it's my mom, it's my dad, and, and it's my brothers and my siblings and my, you know, one little thing and, and you have a hundred people over and it's like, what are you doing? Well, it's just a birthday for the three-year-old, you know, it's like a quinceanera or something. But if there's one thing that our, that the Hispanic community has is that we will do anything for our family, for our familia. And, and a lot of times that is, you know, sometimes I need, well, I'm 18 and I'm, I'm, you know, here in America, you move out when you're 18. And I go, now if you're in a Hispanic family, you're going to stay here to you, until you get married or you die. So what are the two? And you belong to a family and you belong to, it's a, it's not new. It's, it, we've been here. We have deep roots. Let's learn about them. Let's teach our kids about it. Because if we don't, then they're going to be gone and <laughs> nobody's going to be able to talk about, hey, this happened over in Wilcox or, hey, this happened in the mining fields or, you know what, this happened in the West Valley. So I, I, that's why I think it's very important. I'm glad that even if it's small, um, we need to keep this within our culture. We need to celebrate it. We need to have a celebration where we all come together for, for to celebrate what we, what we are, what have we contributed, what families have done, especially where we're going to become a majority sooner or later, you know, and I, and I think that's very important. Thank you so much. That was, I have so appreciated the chance to chat with you all. I think I could do it for another two hours, but I'm sure you, you have lives. <laughs> but I just want to thank you all so much for, for coming by and taking a moment to share a little bit about um, your heritage and your advice and your thoughts and experiences. Um, thank you very much. Connect with us and get access to all of our podcasts by visiting thesanfordschool.asu.edu forward slash podcast, where you will also find links to all of our social media channels. This conversation has come to an end, but our work here continues.